planning on traveling this summer? Make saving at the pump part of your plans with two times the fuel points from Harris Teeter. It's easy. Download your eVic coupon, and for every dollar you spend with your Vic card, you'll get two fuel points. That's up to $1 per gallon on quality fuel at participating BP and Harris Teeter fuel centers. Download your eVic coupon today and save money at the pump all summer long with eVic and Harris Teeter fuel points. Hey everyone, welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast. My name is Mung. Hey everybody, it's Los. We are six weeks in. Uh, not too early to say that uh, you're defeated. Not too early to say, or wait, too early to say you're defeated and too early to say that you're locked into the playoffs just yet. So don't go getting cocky. Uh, that's not true. I think if you're 0-6, it's, uh, it's a pretty bad sign. It could be. Depends on your league size. Depends on how active it is. But it's definitely not. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a good sign. That's for sure. Yeah, I don't know what the uh, what the percentages are, but I'm sure it's not good for teams making the playoffs after starting zero and six. Yeah, I yeah, that's probably right. But then again, uh, anything can happen, uh, as we saw this past weekend, uh, which leads me to our Gillette close shave of the week. Oh, you're trying to segue, and I messed that all up. I see what you're doing there. <laughs> that That's fine. Uh, we don't blame you for your faults. <laughs> it's okay. I was born with them. But, of course, this week we are heading to Baltimore, where the Chicago Bears eked out a tough overtime win against the Ravens. It was a battle of wills with both defenses and special teams carrying the load. Neither offense could get much going with three touchdowns in the game coming from a trick play, a pick six, and a punt return for a touchdown. But Bears running back Jordan Howard pounded the rock 36 times in this game, eventually breaking a huge 53-yard run in overtime to set up the game-winning field goal. Even in a grueling game without much help from the rest of the offense, Howard bore the load and never quit, just like Gillette Razors never quit. Get your close shave like Jordan Howard with Gillette, the best a man can get. Same great blades, now for less. Pricing applies to select products and is at the sole discretion of the retailer. Hey, bear down, go Bears. Mitch Trubisky looking like a uh, looking like a young Kyle Orton out there, completing 50% of his passes and letting the rest of the team win the game for him. Great start, kid. Yeah, it wasn't pretty, but uh, given the lack of receiving weapons that the Bears have right now, he's uh, been doing all right. Oh, yeah. No, I'm, I'm pretty happy. Yeah, that, that was tongue-in-cheek. I, I, I have big dreams for this kid. We will see, uh, but let's move on to our Thursday night matchup this coming week, Kansas City at Oakland. Yeah, what a perfect team to open up with after that week of craziness we all just saw. Kansas City lost somehow to Pittsburgh, but still turned good days for Hunt and Kelsey. Uh, Tyreek Hill was limited to five catches on seven targets for 34 yards, but left with a concussion. He'll probably be ready to go for Thursday, but uh, keep an eye on that. Uh, no change to your usual personnel ratings here. Alex Smith has a good upside this week uh, This week in Oakland as a streamer, uh, possibly low-end quarterback one. I don't know if I would say a good day for Kelsey, but certainly you saw that his floor is pretty high, even in a pretty awful game, turned in four catches for 37 yards. You'll take it if you have Kelsey. He certainly has yet to really let you down with a zero or something like that. But um, Yeah, that, that's how I rate a bad day for a tight end, like a, like a zero for two. Yeah, I mean, honestly, that's why the top three guys, the elite guys at that position are so good because you never really have to worry about a horrendous, horrendous game. Yep. Uh, 
But uh, really, you know, Kareem Hunt, the touchdowns haven't been there lately, but I expect that to change this week against an Oakland defense that just let Melvin Gordon rip them a new one. Uh, he's still a, a high-end RB1. Um, certainly you're starting Travis Kelsey. And Tyreek Hill is still a boomer bust wide receiver three. Um, you'd like to see a little bit more consistency, but again, in PPR, he's had a relatively solid floor. Um, and we did see Tyreek Hill tie for the lead in targets with Kelsey uh, with when Chris Conley was out this week. Uh, his upside is still immense, especially against a weak Oakland Raiders defense. He left the game against Pittsburgh to be checked for a concussion, but it was determined that Hill is good to go for Thursday. Okay, that's a, that's a good thing. Now, Derek Carr showed a lot of rust coming back, and this line has shown again that they have trouble with elite pass rushers. Uh, they're going to have trouble again versus Kansas City. Carr should improve off his 170-yard, one-touchdown, two-interception day, but he's a set for me this week. Uh, Lynch should, should have had a better day than his 13-carry, 63-yard performance, but they got away from him, leading to an explosive uh, Corderell Patterson 47-yard end-around touchdown run. Uh, Lynch is just a low-end running back two or flex versus Kansas City. Fade Crabtree to a mid-range wide receiver two for me. Hold Cooper as a flex play if that and stay away from jared cook definitely this week yeah and i think uh cordero patterson's gonna be the top waiver wire pickup this week right los you know he, he might be just not for <laughs> me no uh definitely you will want to pass on patterson he's that gimmick player who's going to explode for one of these touchdowns sooner or later but you certainly can't rely on him week to week and honestly, I have no idea what Oakland's doing. They only gave Lynch the ball 13 times, despite him finding a lot of success running it. You would think they would want to protect the amount of times Derek Carr can get hit, still recovering from that back injury, but apparently not. Um, and even at home, I don't love this matchup for Carr. He's just a high-end QB2 this week, uh, still not super mobile, as we said, recovering with the back injury. And Lynch does have a pretty decent rushing matchup after Le'Veon Bell just had a nice week, but who knows how many times they're actually going to give him the ball. Uh, he's just a flex play until he gets more consistent usage, and I think you're still starting Crabtree as a high-end wide receiver too. Uh, Marcus Cooper doesn't really shadow like a lot of other teams' number one cornerbacks do. Uh, he kind of stays on his side, so I think Crabtree is going to be still just fine, and as for Amari Cooper, uh, he's a boomer bust flex option. Uh, he did have some long receptions negated by penalty in this last game. Uh, so there is a little bit of upside to him. Yeah, all that said, I definitely have my concerns for Oakland uh, playing at home versus Kansas City. I think the uh, Chiefs get back on track with a win here. I will take the Chiefs as well. All right, Tampa Bay at Buffalo. Jameis Winston left the game after just 10 attempts versus Arizona with an AC sprain, which sounds minor, but everyone is different. He already is an inaccurate quarterback. Everybody heals at different rates. I, I don't think his presence really changes the value of the players around him, though. Uh, Fitzpatrick showed that he can preserve Evans' value with an 18-point day for him, including a touchdown, including three for 38 and a touchdown line for Deshaun Jackson, six catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown for Cameron Brait. So there's not a ton of drop-off in terms of the players around him uh jacquiz roberts is an officially uh rogers is officially an afterthought with doug martin dominating the backfield looks 14 carries 53 yards and a touchdown plus one catch for 11 yards to uh jacquiz's two looks on the day yeah really a back-to-back -back tough matchups on the road here for tampa bay winston as you said left last week's game with that shoulder sprain and, and it sounds like they're optimistic he can play this week but i wouldn't start him in fantasy anyway against a pretty good buffalo defense um, but the good thing is we did see that whether Winston or Fitzpatrick stars, it's not really going to limit the fantasy options on the Buccaneers if he can't go. 
Uh, Doug Martin, he's been a solid workhorse, excuse me, despite a terrible game script. He's an every week RB2 right now. And Mike Evans got shut down most of the day by Patrick Peterson, but, you know, Peterson injured his quad and was on the sideline. And almost immediately, uh, Evans went for a 37-yard touchdown against Justin Bethel. So he's he's an every week wide receiver one right now. And then we saw that Deshaun Jackson got a touchdown as well, but he is still a boomer bust flex option this week. Um, the one guy that you didn't really mention uh, is Cameron Brait. Um, I, I think we we don't need to, or we can't just gloss over him right now. He's been a monster in PPR, and he's had a touchdown four straight games now. And he's actually the number four tight end in PPR for the season. Uh, he's a low end tight end one this week, uh, given all the targets he's been getting, and he should be owned. He's a high floor tight end option with a moderately high ceiling, given um, how important he is to this offense. Yeah, I don't I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, young and young quarterbacks and bad quarterbacks. Best friends are uh, their tight ends, as we say all the time. As for Buffalo, uh, who could also use a, a tight end friend, uh, Buffalo comes back after the bye to a Tampa Bay defense that was just handled and bundled by Adrian Peterson. LaShawn McCoy is a steady running back one this week. Unfortunately, the Buffalo offense is in disarray due to injuries and doesn't leave us really options to capitalize on. Uh, Tyrod Taylor should be a high level quarterback, too, if he's healthy, uh, preserving his value with his legs on the ground um, but Charles Clay continues to be out and we've yet to see if that sec- if that backup tight end really has what it takes to step in full time and give us good value yeah I like Taylor a lot this week as a nice streaming option at quarterback I actually have him as a low-end QB1 against the Tampa Bay defense that's really been having trouble stopping the run and the pass the last few weeks um, McCoy of course he'll be a low-end RB1 in a pretty nice matchup with some upside this week And Jordan Matthews is still out with that thumb injury. So really uh, with him and Charles Clay out, Nick O'Leary is probably going to be that top receiving option on the offense right now. He's a high-end tight end too in this matchup. Um, And I think Andre Holmes is probably going to be your best bet if you had to start one of the Buffalo receivers. But he's just a desperation wide receiver for, you're basically hoping for a touchdown here. But Tyrod Taylor does like to target Holmes a lot in the end zone. So there are worse options out there. Do you believe in miracles, Mung? Uh, when it's Tyrod Taylor, uh, generally he makes some things happen. So, yeah. Yeah, then give me the Buffaloes again uh, with a beat-up offense coming in for the win. The Buffaloes? I will take the Buffaloes as well. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, Carolina rolling on into the Windy City, Chicago. Cam Newton just threw 52 passes versus Philadelphia, but that was mostly due to matchups more so than game flow. The Eagles pass D is inferior to their defensive line play. Cam should have a fine low end quarterback one type day in Chicago. Jonathan Stewart went eight carries for negative four yards. McCaffrey four carries for eight yards. So that's why they were throwing. Uh, he added 10 catches on 14 targets, 56 yards and a touchdown. That's a touchdown in two straight weeks. And I expect a trifecta coming here in Chicago. Jonathan Stewart's a low end flex. McCaffrey's a running back too. Ed Dixon returned back to earth with a four for 36 line, and I'd avoid him again this week. Uh, the wide receivers are both definite starts for me. I, yeah, I expect Cam to stay hot this week against Chicago. The Bears shut down Joe Flacco, but Newton has much better weapons and, and is more mobile. He's a top five fantasy QB this week, and I'll be the first to admit I gave up on this Carolina offense a little bit too quickly. Um, looks like his shoulder's healthier, and they're kind of gelling a little bit more. And I know the Philadelphia defensive line is a monster, but Jonathan Stewart just looked awful. He's dropping passes, and he's really just a low-end desperation flex play. He needs a goal line touchdown to really get you that production. And 
I, I do like McCaffrey. Uh, he could very well score again. I think he's uh, a high-end uh, or mid at least a mid-end RB2 um, with upside, given his involvement in the passing game. Definitely gives him a solid floor as well. And as you mentioned with the wide receivers, Kelvin Benjamin, I have him as a wide receiver too against the Bears. And Funches too should be a decent upside wide receiver three or flex play this week. Um, Dixon, I'm, I'm avoiding. He's just a mid-level tight end too as his involvement's going to be too sporadic for me to rely on week to week. Yeah, it is nice to have weapons, though, so Cam can be happy about that. Mitchell Trubisky does not have weapons around him. Uh, Mitchell grabbed his first overtime win with a very mediocre day against a good defense with nobody around him to help, really. Uh, they're protecting him very well, maybe a little too well to let him develop, but it's hard to argue with nobody around him. Eight for six to eight of 16 for 113 and a touchdown. No interceptions, which is always good to see with a young quarterback. Jordan Howard continued his domination of touches, 36 carries for 167 yards. Um, to Cohen's 14 carries for 32 yards with an added one catch only for 14 yards, though he did pass for a, uh, he threw a 21 yard touchdown to Zach Miller. How about that? Uh, Cohen's become a low end flex in this offense with his usage decreasing since Mitch has took over. Uh, if you can't name the receivers, how can you expect to want to start them? You're not going to Zach Miller has two fluky touchdowns in two weeks. Sims gets more targets. I'm avoiding them both. Yeah, really, uh, Jordan Howard's an RB2, uh, Tariq Cohen's a flex, and Zach Miller's a desperation tight end, too. Uh, you're not really starting anybody else on this Bears offense unless, uh, you know, you have Trubisky in a, a crazy deep league or a super flex league or something like that, and that's that's really about it. All right, Carolina comes into Chicago, although this is the kind of game Chicago might just come out with a win, but uh, give me Carolina. Yes, I will take the uh, the jungle cat over the Bears. Oh, cool. Bears are much bigger. Than, never mind. Tennessee at <laughs> Cleveland Titans at the Browns tonight. We get to see a hopefully healthy Tennessee offense who should have a field day in Cleveland. If they're healthy, I'd be very happy to start Mariota, Murray, Henry and Walker in what should be a very high yield days for them. Uh, Cleveland is very bad against opposing tight ends. Lock into Lenny Walker. Um, Richard Matthews, the only wide receiver for me right now. Hopefully the rookie, uh, the rookie can get back at some point this year and we can see what he can turn into. Yeah, we'll see tonight how um, how or if uh, really Tennessee limits Marcus Mariota's running, uh, given that hamstring injury. Uh, but it is a nice matchup for him regardless against Cleveland. Uh, I think he's a good mid to low end QB one as long as he plays. And then even though Rashard Matthews has been a little up and down, he's been their top targeted wide receiver with Corey Davis out for a bit. Um, Matthews is still a solid wide receiver three option. We've seen that he's got a decent floor and pretty high upside week to week. Um, as for the rushing, uh, the Browns rushing defense has been playing well, but I do like DeMarco Murray as a low end RB two, uh, high end flex option, just given all the work he's been getting. And to your point, I, I love Delaney Walker as a top five tight end play this week with Cleveland already having given up a five touchdowns and a two point conversion to opposing tight ends this year. Not bad. Not bad at all for the tight ends. That is uh, now this may come as a surprise to some of you, but Cleveland players do not do well against good defenses. Take everything I said last week. If you want to pop open that episode and do the exact same this week, avoid Cleveland. Yeah. You know, uh, last week, of course, as soon as I talked up Duke Johnson a little bit, uh, Cleveland really goes away from him in the passing game this past week. He's still a high end flex option in PPR though. And Corral, a desperation, low on flex. Uh, none of the receiving options are super exciting, but 
I will mention that Ricardo Lewis is still leading the team in targets while Corey Coleman has been out, and he is probably the best of those wide receivers if you had to start one. If you have to. Uh, I'll take the Titans on the road. I will too. All right, the New Orleans, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, the New Orleans Saints at the Green Bay Packers. Uh, if you look at the 52 points that New Orleans scored versus Detroit, I bet you'd expect a better line for Drew Brees than 186 yards, two touchdowns, two interceptions. The defense played like crazy, converting turnovers and points on their own. Probably the most frustrated are Michael Thomas owners, whose day was only three catches on six targets for 11 yards. He's still the top option on this team. He's a wide receiver one this week for me. As we expected, Snead only had one target for 11 uh, for sorry, one catch for 11 yards on three targets with a lot of sharing between him and Brennan Coleman's two catches for 23 yards, Ginn's four catches for 66 yards, and Flader went 0 for 0. Hui Matanui went two catches, 27 yards, and a wide open touchdown in the end zone. Could be a solid, solid red zone target for them going forward. Everybody forgets about the fullback. I'm avoiding all these guys until someone emerges. Look for the run game to continue the momentum with Ingram as a running back two and Kamara a solid flex play. Ingram had 25. Five carries, 114 yards, and two touchdowns with five catches for 36 in the air. To Kamara's 10 carries, 75 yards, and four catches for 12, or 31 points to 33 points, respectively. I love them both. Yeah, I'm not too worried about Drew Brees. He's still a top five fantasy QB this week, despite a down week against Detroit, where Ingram and the defense, as you said, really did all the heavy lifting. Um, speaking of, I think Ingram is a clear high-end RB2 now with Adrian Peterson gone, and I agree that Kamara is still a nice standalone flex play, um, still getting a lot of touches. Michael Thomas, he'll be fine. He really just did nothing last game with Darius Slay all over him and the defense really limiting the amount of times that Breeze had to pass. And to your point, Willie Sneed seems to be getting work backed in slowly uh, into this offense. Um, Ginn is probably the the biggest uh, benefactor since Snead's suspension. He's been a boomer bust flex play, um, and he and Snead are both just wide receiver fours right now. I would definitely bench Snead until we see him getting a, a little bit more consistent targets. Yes, sir. Uh, for Green Bay, uh, I'm going to take the high road here and not celebrate an injury of any sort for Aaron Rodgers. I'd like to see the Packers lose games. I love seeing the Packers lose games, of course, but not in this way. Also, all I, I know all this means is now the Packers are going to finish with a strong high draft pick, take Saquon Barkley, and then have Barkley and Rodgers decimating the Bears for the next decade. That's exactly how these things go. As for fantasy, you obviously have to start Jordy Nelson here now, but Adams and, and Cobb fail to low-end flexes. And I think Ty and Aaron Jones have carved out larger workloads for themselves with fewer scoring, uh, with lower scoring potential in this offense, though. Uh, give me Jones over Cobb in the flex, uh, if, if you're curious. Yeah, I mean, really, with Aaron Rodgers out, the whole offense is downgraded a little bit. Hundley looked awful. He he does look like he has some command of the offense, but he's missing, you know, he's missing throws, and he's definitely throwing into coverage, uh, having difficulty reading those at some point. Um, but I do think he's going to allow these fantasy options to still be viable. Jordy gets downgraded from a wide receiver one to a wide receiver two, but we've seen that he's still got good upside. Um, and then I agree that Adams is still probably the best flex, but I, I would also take Jones over Cobb. Um, the thing is with the running backs is that Jones and Montgomery split those snaps, and with Rodgers out and the two running backs really cannibalizing each other's production, both are just flex plays. All right. Yes, sir. Uh, give me the Saints to uh, beat Green Bay as they start their plunge to the basement of the NFC North for 2017. <laughs> I will. I will take the Saints as well. 
All right. Jacksonville at Indiana battle of the AFC South. The four net pick has paid dividends for Jacksonville. Unfortunately, he was hobbled. They had to get into a passing offense late in the game versus L.A. Before the injury, though, he compiled 21 carries for 130 yards and a touchdown, including a huge 75-yard run on the first offensive play of the game, and he added two short catches. He's a weekly running back one. If he isn't playing, though, Chris Ivory has really looked like a decent fantasy weapon. Um, they've showed trust in him, and Yeldon has been inactive for weeks now. Uh, Marquise Lee was heavily targeted, five catches on 10 targets for 83 yards. to Hearns is three of three for 37. Normally, I'd say to avoid them both. But I do like this matchup at Indianapolis. And if I had to pick one, I would take the more talented Marquise Lee, higher drafted, better talented. Um, Hearns really only had that success when uh, two years ago when Allen Robinson was dominating on the on one side and Hearns was catching those garbage time passes on the other. Yeah, and it sounds like Leonard Fournette's going to be okay. His ankle injury is supposedly minor and he should be able to play week seven. Um, definitely still starting him as an RB1. And you're starting the Jacksonville defense. We've talked about this. And the only thing is Marquise Lee and Alan Hearns, they're going to have these big weeks, but they're going to be unpredictable and they're going to be unreliable wide receiver fours that are going to switch off week to week with really mediocre quarterback play. Um, I think the biggest note to take away from this game is that Chris Ivory, as you said, is a clear handcuff to Fournette and should be added by all Fournette owners. Um, maybe even if you don't own Fournette in deeper bench leagues, Ivory's a good power runner, but in this game, he also showed his skills in the passing game, got nine catches. Um, he's a likely top five running back handcuff, along with guys like Sharkhandrick West and Derrick Henry. Yes, sir. As the season goes, sometimes these uh, these situations clarify themselves. Here's a, here's an example of that. For Indianapolis, this is going to be a tough outing, that's for sure. Uh, hopefully, we get more news about Luck and his recovery soon. We will see tonight what they want to do with Mack and Gore, but both are probably just flexes at best versus Jacksonville. Uh, the passing game is going to have a tough go as well. Yeah, I really would avoid starting Jacoby Brissett in a brutal matchup for quarterbacks. Uh, you know, to your point, Gore and Mack are both going to be flex plays. It's all going to be who, who scores that touchdown if they do score a touchdown. Um, but the the one thing is it is easier to run the ball against the Jaguars than it is to throw it. So they both should get a decent amount of carries to try and sustain the offense on the ground here. And T.Y. Hilton gets downgraded to a low-end wide receiver, too, in a really tough matchup here. Um, the Jacksonville cornerbacks have been playing lights out. And maybe as a result, Jack Doyle gets a slight bump to a high-end tight end two status with Jacksonville giving up a little bit more uh, to opposing tight ends than wide receivers. Give me Jacksonville as they continue their quest for the AFC crown. Yep, I'll take the Jaguars as well. AFC South crown, not the AFC crown. <laughs> uh, Arizona at the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, how about that rejuvenated Cardinals offense? AP ran with a chip on his shoulder. The line put together some good play, which was even more surprising how the line played. Uh, Peterson rattled off 134 yards and two touchdowns on 26 carries and Ellington did not see the football. I think this is another nice matchup here and Arizona can gain some momentum on this underperforming rush defense of the Rams. Uh, they can put pressure on with AP and get after Jared Goff with their defense. Who's shown he is not elite against these good defenses. AP is a running back two for me here and Ellington still a flex with upside just in case the game does go the other way, which is always possible. The wheels can always come off on Arizona. I just don't think they do this week. Fitz is a PPR wide receiver one who keeps finding his way to production, and John Brown's redefining his role in this uh, is refining his role in this offense. <laughs> a hold for now with future upside definite. 
Yeah, I mean, old man strength getting it done right now for Arizona with Palmer, Peterson, and Fitzgerald. That said, I would try to avoid Palmer this week at the Rams. He's going to have a tough day there against Aaron Donald in that defensive line. Um, just a mid-level QB2 for me in fantasy. Adrian Peterson should be a flex play. I wouldn't go crazy yet with expectations, even after a huge game against the Bucks. Um, I, I actually think Andre Ellington's still a nice flex play this week, even though he had a really rough outing last week. Um, in PPR, uh, Arizona, you know, is going to need to throw a little bit more in this game. They're not going to be leading by 30 points like they were last week, I don't think. Um, so really, there should that should open up a few more opportunities for Ellington. Um, Fitzgerald is a wide receiver one. He's been dominating targets, but I would say I would I would look at maybe selling high on him. Um, we've seen the last couple of years that he really kind of trails off as the seasons continued. Um, he is, you know, getting up there in age. So, I mean, I wouldn't sell him just to sell him, but at least shop him around to see what you can get. And then, as you said, John Brown, uh, he was second on the team yet again in targets, got another touchdown. Um, we'll be talking about him more in the waiver wire section, but he's a definite wide receiver three or flex play going forward now that his quad injury is 100% healthy. Now, for the Rams, Robert Woods has solidly emerged over the Rookie Cup as the top option on this team as they continue to have no idea how to implement the talents of Sammy Watkins. It's really a shame to see that passing offense. Uh, This is a tough matchup, and I take Woods as a low-end flex. That's about it. And Gurley, of course, is running back one. That's it for this team. Uh, Tough road ahead this week. Yeah, Goff gets another tough matchup. Um, really, I uh, expect another bad game here for him against a very good Cardinals defense, just a mid-level QB2. I would definitely start Palmer over Goff if those two were my options. Um, you're starting Gurley, and, and that's really about it. I expect Patrick Peterson to shut down Sammy Watkins, and Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are both desperation flex plays right now. It's really going to depend what the uh, security blanket's going to be like for Goff week to week. Um, I will say... I, I do like the uh, Rams defense this week, though, against an Arizona offensive line that's really struggled to protect Carson Palmer. That said, I think Arizona gets up on him early and uh, continues a little momentum. Give me Arizona this game. You know what? Um, I think it's going to be a fun game, and I think it, I'm going to take the Rams at home. All right. Uh, New York Jets at, at the Miami Dolphins. Unlike New England, Miami has a tough run defense, and I'm not expecting much from any of these backs for the Jets. If Powell's back and healthy, he's my top choice as a flex. Meanwhile, ASJ Austin Safarian Jenkins turned eight catches, 46 yards and a touchdown and a fumble into 16 points in what really should have been a 24-point day. If you haven't seen this play, you need to YouTube it or find it somehow. He catches it, runs, and apparently fumbles into the pylon. It was a terrible call. That was not agreed with by Mike Pereira, former senior official, and we got to suffer for it. Oh, well, the fantasy gods are fickle. Yeah, but can you really complain if you started Austin Safarian Jenkins? I mean, you're still pretty happy with that production, and he's a must-own at tight end at this point in all formats. We'll talk about in the waiver wire section. Um, He's one of the top targets in this offense, if not the top target, and he's averaged six catches per game since coming back from his suspension. Um, and he scored in the last two games. Should have had two touchdowns against New England, if not for that weird call. Um, and then Jermaine Curse and Robbie Anderson, still both upside wide receiver fours. You're going to look at game script. They might be serviceable, but um, you're certainly not relying on consistent production from them. And the, other, the only other note is Matt Forte was a workhorse with Bilal Powell out. Uh, as you said, if Powell is back, um, he would be the flex play. But if he's out again, Forte could be worth a flex start as well. 
Yeah, a little surprising how ineffective Elijah McGuire worked out there. <clears throat> to the other side of the football, the Dolphins just beat the Falcons. Let that sink in for a second. This is a true Super Bowl hangover. Atlanta was up 17-0 at halftime and ended the game down 20-17 in a losing effort. I'm obviously not touching Jay Cutler. We all know better than that. He's going to follow up this game with a four-interception performance. Jay Ajayi is a fine running back, too, with solid workload. And Landry added another 14 targets to stay a solid wide receiver, too. With all the injuries and the way his Julio's playing and whatnot, he might even be a low-end wide receiver one in PPR now. If Parker's back, he starts for you. If not, still will get targets. We've seen it time and again uh, and would be worth a flex go if, uh, if Parker doesn't play. Wait, what would you say about Julio in there? Just with how how these top wide receivers like Julio aren't aren't getting looks, it might push Landry into like low end wide receiver one oh, consideration. Gotcha. I, I thought for a second you were talking about Julio like he was on the Dolphins. Um, no, no, no. I get what you're saying. Um, but uh, but by the way, super random. But these Burger King uh, spicy chicken nuggets look pretty good. But um anyway ten for a dollar 49 what has to be in these things that they can sell 10 of anything for 150 cents you know what it's free free plug for burger king i guess i guess i'm a little hungry but uh all right um we'll talk about miami here um the jets defense has actually been playing pretty well um jj is a decent high-end flex play with the dolphins offensive line blocking a little bit better um and he's been running hard and I guess Jarvis Landry is the uh, the spicy chicken nuggets for this team right now. He's been an every week high end wide receiver too with his target share, uh, and we'll see if Parker's back from that ankle injury this week. If he plays, Parker will be a wide receiver three or flex option. But um, if not, Kenny Stills we saw is a desperation wide receiver four with upside. He's kind of been that go to outside receiver when Parker's been out. All right, give me the Miami spicy chickens. Oh yeah. Um, Oh, this one's so tough. Uh, I'll take Miami just because they're at home, but I, I think this will be a close garbage game. Yes, sir. Garbage, garbage for sure. Uh, Baltimore and Minnesota. <clears throat> the Ravens just fell victim to the Bears in overtime. I see no reason for them to be much better versus a vastly superior Minnesota defense. Macklin's hurt. Buck Allen's a PPR flex, and that about covers it. Bad matchup this week for all of them. Yeah, this offense is awful. I mean, Flacco was actually playing all right, uh, but none of his receivers could get open or hold on to the ball when they did get open. And he really needs Jeremy Macklin back. Uh, we'll see if he he plays with this shoulder injury that was a late scratch. Um, we'll monitor his practice status throughout the week. But yeah, like you said, I'm fading everybody against Minnesota. Uh, Allen is the PPR flex, and Macklin uh, would be the the best wide receiver to play out of those guys, I think, if he does play. Um, but you really don't want to start anybody. No, sir. Uh, after the Vikings just handled the Packers, I expect them to continue the same game plan versus Baltimore. This is the week Teddy Bridgewater returns to the team in practice, but I don't expect that to change anything for this week. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. We saw it. We tried that already throwing Sam Bradford out there too, too early. Just put Keenum back out there and you win the game. That's all you got to worry about. Rudolph's production has been up since uh, since Delvin Cook's injury. He'll continue as a tight end one. Thielen's a wide receiver two. And watch for signs of digs to return, which may or may not happen uh, this week. The backfield split has been McKinnon, uh, 26-69, and a touchdown to Murray, 15-20, sorry, 16 16 carries, 69 yards and a touchdown to Murray, 15 carries, 28 yards with McKinnon adding 
five catches for 30 yards and a touchdown to Murray's one catch for nine yards. These aren't just numbers that show a difference. McKinnon actually looks like the way better back. He's a running back two here versus Baltimore, and he's the guy to own going forward. Yeah, and the big news we got today is that uh, the Vikings said that Teddy Bridgewater is going to resume practicing on Wednesday. Um, it sounds like he could be back after their bye week. Uh, Bridgewater could start as early as week 10. Um, that's definitely good just because in case Bradford's not ready to go, Bridgewater I do think would be an upgrade over Case Keenum, even though Keenum's been playing all right. Um, but really, I think this game's going to be a defensive showdown here. Baltimore's defense, even though they've been allowing more rushing uh, as of late, we saw that their passing defense is still pretty good. Um, Latavius Murray did get work, but as you said, McKinnon just clearly looks better as the, mo- the more effective option and as the lead back. So um, he's a mid-range RB2 right now in PPR, and Murray's going to be a boomer bust RB3 or flex uh, if he does get that goal line touchdown. And then it's if Stefan Diggs plays, he'll be a high-end wide receiver too. Um, but we'll see how he's doing with that groin injury. And if he is out again, then Adam Thielen gets bumped up from a flex play to a wide receiver too. Uh, as you said, Rudolph's a, a low-end tight end one against a Baltimore defense that just gave up two tight ends to tight, or excuse me, two touchdowns, two tight ends this past week against Chicago. And then just one last thing about Minnesota in deep, deep leagues. Laquan Treadwell is an interesting name to monitor or pick up if Diggs misses another week. Uh, Treadwell had an Odell Beckham-like one-handed catch down the sideline this past week, and he could see more playing time if Diggs is out again. He's also excellent in uh, in uh, run blocking, which will keep him on the field. Um, Skull, go Vikings on their way to the NFC North crown. Yeah, I agree. Dallas at San Francisco. Dallas gets a great matchup returning from their bye. Start your guys where you drafted them. Dak, Dez, Witten if you've got him this week, and Zeke if he's playing. We are getting conflicting intel from all different sources, so I don't really know what to make of it. Uh, regardless, McFadden could have a really nice day this week as a low-end running back, too, for you. Yeah, I think Prescott uh, is, has a great matchup. Likewise for Dez. Um, we'll see if Bryce Butler takes over that starting wide receiver two job with Terrence Williams really doing nothing and costing Dallas the game against Green Bay with a drop that turned into a pick six. Um, if Butler does surpass Williams on the depth chart there, he does have boomer bust flex potential like a Devin Funches or Will Fuller type um, getting all those deep targets. Uh, so Prescott, uh, you know, with his ability to keep the play alive with his legs, uh, Bryce Butler could be an interesting name to keep your eye on. Um, yeah, and the big question is, who knows really what's going on with Zeke's suspension? Supposedly, the NFL says it began immediately, um, and the, uh, but other sources are claiming that uh, he can still refile his suit and possibly avoid suspension this week or this year even. I've added Alfred Morris and Darren McFadden in various leagues, but I do think Morris is going to be the better play um, in games that Dallas is controlling, like this game against San Francisco. And then I think in games where the other team might be favored or closer games, McFadden might see more work as the receiving back. Um, So it sounds like you like McFadden more this week. Yeah, I like, I actually like McFadden in general, just be the straight handcuff to, uh, to, uh, to Ezekiel Elliott and then Al Morris and, and um, the other guy whose name is escaping me right now. If you could uh, pull that up real Rod quick, Smith. that'd be great. Um, that I, I just expect him to plug right into the Zeke role. 
See, I, I don't think that's going to happen. I think there's going to be a little bit more of a split. Uh, but again, who knows, really? Uh, it's all speculation. There is no right or wrong answer here. Even the beep reporters can, you know, just give you a little intel, but even they don't know. Um, ultimately, you know, grab them both if you can off the waivers and you have the bench room. Uh, we'll talk about that more on the waiver wire section. But for me, it's Morris as a high-end flex and McFadden as a lower flex. Oh, oh right. man, Dante Moncrief just dropped the touchdown. That He needs to catch that. Oh, you do need to catch the balls when they come into that your was, hands. That was a perfect throw down the seam by Brissett, though. That was just a bad drop by Moncrief. He'll have his day. He will. Yeah, we'll um, see. <laughs> speaking of coming up short, God bless the Niners' little hearts. They tried so hard, but they, they came up just short. Um, the team has moved on from, from Hoyer to Iowa's C.J. Bethard, B-E-A-T-H-A-R-D, which is not said how it's spelled. Uh, he could actually be a decent option this week and week 13 versus the Bears, but otherwise his schedule is extremely tough. Um, Hyde is a running back, too, whose days may be numbered on this team. And I really like George Kittle as an ad with an upside for the rest of the season. He caught 10 touchdowns in college from Bethard in their final two years in Iowa and has already shown some NFL success. He, he also caught a, uh, a touchdown early from Bethard in the preseason. They've had a lot of time throwing footballs to each other. Um, I like the kid going forward. Uh, just I'm like 99% sure it's not Bethard. I'm pretty sure it's Bethard. No, no, this I, I know from uh, Iowa's own residence. It's Bethard. All right. Well, regardless, I think Mr. CJ, whatever you want to call him is, uh, an interesting streaming quarterback option this week. I have him ranked as a high-end QB2. Um, I'm expecting Dallas to lead most of this game and the 49ers to be in catch-up mode, maybe even garbage time mode, if that lead grows large by the end of the, the first half. And Beathard showed that he can lead this offense well against Washington, and I think Carlos Hyde should be a low-end RB2 or high-end flex the way he's out-touched Matt Breda this week uh, after not fumbling. Maybe regain some of the coach's trust. Breda just a handcuff right now and not startable but Pierre Garcon probably the best wide receiver play for the Niners he'll be a decent wide receiver through reflex option and PPR um, the other receivers are just too inconsistent right now but like you said George Kittle another nice game and uh, you didn't mention that he was tackled pretty much on the one yard line against Washington he almost had another touchdown this past week um, I do think he's legit a high-end tight end two right now. Um, although I will say it sounds like Sean Lee is healthy uh, and Dallas will have a little bit more help with him roaming the middle of the field. Could limit Kittle's upside a little bit this week. All right. Well, maybe, maybe I'll just have him call into the show next week and tell you how to say his name. Yeah, you should do it. <laughs> All right. Give me Dallas regardless. Sorry, Siege. I will take Dallas as well. All right, uh, Seattle at the New York Giants. The Giants are tough, and Wilson will have his work cut out for him, but he was built for games like this. Uh, the team comes off a bye and will hopefully have their running game situation squared away. Baldwin and Graham are definite starts, but the rest I'd really avoid until we see how it shakes out. I, I don't know what they're going to do with that backfield. Pro Sykes may be the top guy the top guy this Sunday. Is that, uh, is that an afternoon game? Um... Did it write, didn't write it down. Uh, yeah, I think I think this is a, a 3:25 game, um, and I will say this. Uh, you know, again, we've talked about this before on shows, but Yahoo does allow you to add free agents um, and drop guys on your bench if they weren't starters for you. So if you do have like some sort of handcuff guy or a high upside stash, 
um, you know, it might be worth dumping for Thomas Rawls or Eddie Lacy right before the start of this game if they don't do anything. Uh, just because, you know, whoever ends up being the starter in this offense could have fantasy value. So always worth a shot to make some of those late ads. Um, just a, a, a more general note, but specifically uh, regarding Seattle, for me, um, Trevor Simeon was awful against the Giants, but Russell Wilson is much more mobile. Um, that said, I still don't love him this week on the road. A uh, tough defense, really revitalized by their first win of the season last week. Um, he'll be a low-end QB1 or a high-end QB2 for me this week. Um, I'm Like I said, I'm avoiding starting any of the running backs, but I would like to stash them if you have the bench space. Um, and if you did have to play one in PPR, for me, it'd be J.D. McKissick. He, he sounds like the best flex option, um, assuming that C.J. Procise is still out. Now, the Giants do have a good secondary, but Doug Baldwin should still be a low-end wide receiver, too, in PPR. And Jimmy Graham should continue to be involved in this offense and be a decent mid-level tight end one. All right. Uh, I don't care what happened last week to Denver in Denver. Uh, clearly, Denver came in unprepared. Maybe there was high pollen content in the air. They clouded their lungs up, and there's so little oxygen up there that they just couldn't hang. I don't know. Uh, Pete Carroll will not be unprepared. It looks like Dark was the lead back for now. 21 carries to Goldman's nine, and Vereen's one. But what happens when Perkins is back? Uh, Vereen had zero catches even last week, and the only receiver with more than one catch wasn't even a receiver. It was the tight end, Evan Ingram. He's a high-end tight end, too but the rest of the team is a bunch of fantasy non-starters uh that was all defense versus denver yeah this uh that orleans darko game was i mean denver does have a, a susceptible rushing defense but I, I think that was a career game for him and definitely a fluke as far as uh, this year is concerned <clears throat> definitely don't trust dark was more than just a low-end flex play um and i think this offense in general uh, is going to struggle again and really rely on the defense if they have any shot at winning this game um, I think we're going to see uh, if Sterling Shepard can practice this week. Uh, uh, but even if he is uh, playing, he's still just a very low-end flex option. And Evan Ingram uh, got a ton of targets, uh, high-end tight end two with a large target share, but I don't love his upside given the matchup. The Seattle Seahawks are going to come in uh, rested and prepared and will leave victorious. Yeah, I'm not buying the Giants. Give me Seattle. <laughs> All right. Uh, Cincinnati at Pittsburgh, AFC North showdown. These two teams always play each other very tough. Uh, Dalton could have a nice day on the road, a decent streaming option, but he's probably be below CJ Bethard for me. Um, AJ Green's a stud. Mixon should have running back two level day now. Uh, John Ross returned to practice today, which just muddies the situation at right receiver. I don't think there's another starting option yet on this team. Um, maybe the tight end, but that's about it. Yeah, I was just going to say. Um... I think Tyler Croft is interesting just because with Eifert out for the season, he could be a decent streaming tight end option if he solidifies his role as that number two receiving option behind Green. Um, he'll be interesting, definitely a name to monitor. And then the other thing is, uh, I definitely agree, I think Dalton's uh, an okay QB too, but I would definitely start uh, Bethard or like a Carson Palmer over him this week. Um, they de These two teams definitely play each other tough. This could be like a multi-turnover game of you know, who throws uh, fewer interceptions, Dalton or Ben Roethlisberger this week. Um, and yeah, as you said, of course, you're starting A.J. Green and then uh, Mixon should be a high end flex option. All right. Uh, I, I don't know how the Steelers can lose to the Bears and 
uh, beat the final undefeated team this year in Kansas City. That's why you play the games on the field, not on paper. Uh, regardless, I still don't like Ben Roethlisberger. He only had an 11-point day in this winning effort. Also, Martavis Bryant's been really bad, too. It may just be time to uh, seriously consider Juju Smith uh, as the number two option now team at least from a fantasy fantasy standpoint standpoint not as a starter just yet though but but as a guy to maybe own over bryant even um i i'd really if you own him i'd try and shop bryant see what you could get for him if anything uh bell and brown continue to be monsters 191 and 155 yards each with a touchdown each you're not complaining about that yeah, I'll say this much. Uh, as somebody who was pretty high on Martavis Bryant coming into this season, I owned him in multiple leagues, and I've tried shopping him for just about everything, um, and I've ended up dropping him in a couple leagues. Uh, it, it depends on who you're dropping him for. Obviously, he's still got a lot of upside, but uh, definitely you know, he hasn't been helping you, and you can't feel good starting him. So um, really depends, and it sounds like there's rumors that he wants to be traded. Um as you said, Juju Smith-Schuster seeing a bigger role as a result, but I think uh, even then he's still just kind of an upside wide receiver for for the time being. I don't think the Steelers are actually going to trade Bryant, um, and as a result, I don't think any of these wide receivers are really going to be worth owning or starting in fantasy. Um, Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell are, are the two guys, as they always have been for the Steelers' offense. Um, and the other thing, too, uh, Vance McDonald, just something to consider – um, uh, he's getting more snaps and more targets downfield. He's showing a little bit of chemistry growing with Big Ben here in deeper leagues or tight end premium leagues. McDonald is uh, worth a- at least adding to your uh, watch list. Yes, sir. Um, and don't get too excited if Brian does get traded. What happened to San Antonio Holmes after he left the Steelers? What happened to Mike Wallace after he left the Steelers? Same thing's going to happen to Martavis Bryant. Um, I might be on the opposite side of that in terms of as far as dynasty leagues or keeper leagues go, but uh, we can talk about that another day. All right. Uh, regardless, give me the Steelers. Uh, I wouldn't say it with, with the confidence that you just did, but uh, yes. They just I, beat Kansas City. I guess. They're give world me, beaters. I guess give me the Steelers just because the they're The Dragon at home. Slayer. They're at home. That's the main reason. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, Denver at the LA Clippers. Uh, Trevor Simeon hurt the same shoulder he had operated on last season, and that is worrisome because he's his backup is Brock Osweiler. That should worry all of you. Um, Thomas left but returned with a leg injury. X-rays were negative. He should be fine by game day. Sanders is out this week already with a high ankle sprain, which opens the opportunities for Benny Fowler. The Broncos had a really weird game plan targeting uh, Janice Jenkins heavily with Demarius Thomas for 10 catches somehow on 14 uh, targets for 133 yards, but he also threw a pick six his way uh, that really sealed the game for them. I didn't understand the game plan at all. Maybe they think Eli Apple was a tougher matchup on Sanders, and hey, I'm not in the league, so they may be completely right. Uh, Benny Fowler's uh, worth a look in the flex this week as the defense will focus on Demarius Thomas. And I'd love to suggest the tight end here, but there's no identifiable rhyme or reason for the snap differences of AJ Derby, Jeff Heerman and Virgil green. It looks completely offensive package dependent. And again, unfortunately I'm just not good enough to guess package percentages for this week. So I'm just going to stay away from them. Yeah. Um, just shame on Denver. That's all the, the Broncos and the Falcons too should have to walk around their cities with Septo Nella from game of Thrones, just ring the bell behind them. There's just no excuse for losing to a reeling Giants team without their top two wide receivers. Um, I don't know. Top but, four, really? 
Yeah, right. Uh, but really, you know, it sounds like Trevor Simeon's going to be good to go this week, but he's just a mid-level QB2, especially with Emmanuel Sanders out with that ankle sprain. Um, really, Demarius Thomas is the big beneficiary here. Even though the offense in general is going to be hurt by Sanders' absence, Demarius saw a huge target increase with Sanders out. Um, I think uh, Demarius is going to be a low-end wide receiver one for me this week. I also like C.J. Anderson a lot as a mid-level RB2. Even though he's losing more snaps uh, to Jamal Charles and Devontae Booker, the Chargers do have a poor run defense, and I suspect that Denver may want to try and run the ball more to relieve some of that pressure on Simeon with their passing game really struggling. Charles is going to be a high-risk flex play as well if this game script goes right. And I really wouldn't bother with any of the other Denver receivers with all of them splitting those targets, but Benny Fowler would be the best option. Uh, I'm assuming he's going to be playing in those two wide receiver sets with Sanders out. He'll be a low-end flex play if you're desperate for help at wide receiver. Yeah, maybe we should give Vance Joseph a call and suggest that we uh, make the offensive game script because we sound a heck of a lot better than what's probably going to happen this coming Sunday. Yeah, you know, it's it's really interesting because so many of these highly paid NFL coaches, uh, it seems like a lot of the times they don't understand the simple concept of just keep doing what you're good at. Exactly. Um, Speaking of a team that uh, has no concept of doing what they're good at, the Chargers were so, so good at losing, and now they're 2-0 in the last two weeks. Cheers to them, but I don't think they can keep it up again versus Denver. Um, The defense is too good to have back. Uh, back-to-back collapses like that. Gordon is a beast. This week he had 25 catches, 83 yards and a touchdown, plus nine catches, sorry, 25 carries, 83 yards and a touchdown, plus nine catches, 67 yards and a touchdown. That's two touchdowns for those keeping count at home. Henry led the team with five catches on seven targets for 90 yards, but I'd avoid him at tight end if possible this week. Uh, the rest is Keenan Allen's nine targets and Williams and Williams and Benjamin and Williams, I think there's another one in there, all splitting into each other's work, with which may be sparse this week for Denver. Really, just yeah. Despite playing uh, much better the last few weeks, uh, I'm not trusting Philip Rivers uh, against the Denver defense. He's going to be in a void for me as a QB two this week in fantasy. Um, if the Chargers win this game, it's going to be on the back of Melvin Gordon. He's been dominant the last two games, and I expect the Chargers to keep feeding him the ball. Um, this is finally an offense that, as we just mentioned, has figured out, you know, uh, keep doing what we're good at. And that's giving the ball to Melvin Gordon. Um, and even though he's been amazing on the ground, he's been so involved in the passing game for PPR leagues. He caught nine balls last week. Um, he's a top five running back right now. And despite a tough matchup um, for, for the outside wide receivers too, uh, running and passing over the middle is how to beat Denver. We saw Evan Ingram getting open on a lot of those crossing routes. Um, I like Keenan Allen as a low-end wide receiver, too. And I like Hunter Henry as a low-end tight end one as he's um, pretty clearly surpassed uh, Antonio Gates for the passing down role at this point, really uh, playing a lot more snaps than him. Um, Although I will say I would avoid all the other receivers, as you said, especially with Gordon getting more involved in the passing game, just taking away a lot of targets in general. Yeah, I'd like to say that I could pick Denver with confidence here, but there's a chance Brock Osweiler starts. And if he does, then then Joe Bosa is just going to eat his breakfast, lunch and dinner the entire game. Um, He he is. I mean, we all remember Osweiler on on Houston, right? I don't know why uh, why um, John Elway was that excited to get him back. Um, so 
I, I will say it sounds like Trevor Simeon's going to start. I do think Simeon will start. Um, and I actually had Denver down for this game, but I, I think I'm going to switch it. I think I'm going to take the Chargers on a three-win streak. All right. I, I will stick with Denver. Uh, Sunday night football, they're already billing it as the rematch, <laughs> the showdown, the, the game of games. Atlanta at New England, Sunday night football. Atlanta had a meltdown to end the Dolphins game. They're coming off a loss to Miami heading into this uh, heading into this this rematch of epic proportions. If Jay could cut them up, what do you think Tom's about to do to them in prime time? Prime time. That said, New England defense isn't getting any better. Uh, roll out Ryan Freeman, Coleman, and Julio. Sanu may be back by game time, and he would be a solid flex option if available. Um, I don't trust really the other guys on this team, but five options should be enough, right? Yeah, I, I cannot wait for this rematch. Uh, I'm so excited. Clear my schedule for Sunday night because I'm I'm not going to be doing anything else, that's for sure. Um, both teams are great on paper but have not been playing the best. Uh, really, I think it was funny that Atlanta gave up a 17-point lead after leading 17 to nothing at halftime this past week. So we'll see how they do against New England. Um, Matt Ryan, you're starting. You're starting Julio, even though he's been somewhat disappointing. I really don't know what Steve Sarkeesian's been smoking, but this passing offense needs to run through Julio Jones. Um, they lost to freaking Miami at home, and I would guess it has something to do with the fact that Taylor Gabriel and Austin Hooper both got more targets than Julio Jones, one of the best wide receivers in the league. And, uh, you know, even uh, even their head coach came out and said today that he's uh, he's not sure why that was, but he's going to look into it. Um, I mean, look, look at the Steelers sucking it up, but understanding at least that good things happen to you when you feed Antonio Brown. So um, come on, Falcons. That's my uh, that's my rant for tonight. Get your stuff together. <laughs> Julio is you know currently outside the top 30 wide receivers in PPR so far for the season. Um, he's yet to score a touchdown, but you're starting him as a wide receiver one this week. Um, and then, you know, we'll see if Mohamed Sanu does play. Uh, it depends on how his hamstring is healing. Um, Atlanta could definitely use him this week if he plays. Uh, as you said, I actually have him even higher. I have him as a low-end wide receiver, too, in a really good matchup where, you know, they're going to try and take away Julio Jones, which might free up more targets for Sanu or Gabriel. Um, even though Devontae Freeman had his down week against Miami, he's still a solid RB1 this game. And then Austin Hooper, too. Great matchup. Uh, Low-end tight end one for me this week, um, although his upside does decrease if Snoop plays. Oh, I just don't love his his target share. He he had a great week this last week with targets, but he has so many 0-1-2 type weeks. Yeah, but I think this is going to be a shootout type game, so I think there's going to be enough to go around. Sure. Uh, as for New England, uh, the only real intel here is that after Gillesley fumble, Gillesley's fumble, <clears throat> excuse me, Dan Lewis took control of the backfield, and it may be his job now with White uh, keeping passing downs. Lewis looked really good, and Belichick does not tolerate your insolence. White is still the top back in this backfield, and the Falcons are uh, are where he made his presence felt last Super Bowl. I'm not worried for any pass catchers here. This should be a very high-scoring game. Yeah, really the biggest concern with Deion Lewis has always been his ability to stay healthy. And speaking of which, we're seeing uh, DeMarco Murray getting his hamstring stretched out on the sidelines here. So we'll see uh, how he looks for the rest of the night. Um, but the other thing is for the Patriots, uh, you know, obviously you're starting Brady and Hogan, even though he had a down week in Cooks. But, um, you know, Deion Lewis actually got the first three touches of the game uh, even before Gillisley's fumble. So I don't think... Uh, it even matters that Gillisley fumbled. He was already starting to take control of this backfield. And 
as you said, it could be Lewis's job at this point. Uh, we'll definitely be talking about him more on the waiver wire section. Um, Amendola, Nail in the coffin. Oh, sorry? Nail in the coffin. Yeah, really. Um, and I, I think, uh, you know, like I said, we've seen Dion Lewis explosive in the past years, and really they've been trying to save him uh, to keep him healthy for the season, but uh, they may just need to unleash him. And if he, if he does, he could be a fantasy force. And Amendola, of course, still flex, and Gronk is Gronk. So really, um, you know, the one thing I will say about Lewis is I do think, like I said just a second ago, this is going to be more of a shootout, high-scoring type of game. So I do prefer James White to Deion Lewis in PPR this week. Uh, we saw what White did to the Falcons in the Super Bowl. Agreed. James White's a rock-solid rock star. And how about, what, what do you think, when Rex Burkhead gets healthy, how, you think Belichick might uh, trade Gillies Lee back, for, back to Buffalo and uh, take even more from them? <laughs> That'd be real interesting. Right. Um, uh, give me the Patriots this week in the rematch of all rematches. You know, I honestly think this game could go either way, but I'm not going to bet against the Patriots at home on prime, in prime time. No way. Uh, Washington at Philadelphia for Monday night football. Only game on Monday, of course. Kirk Cousins gets to see this defense for a second time. Now that that defense is a little less healthy, Kirk's had a little more time to gel with his new look offensive weaponry. I like what we see here. What I don't like is the Washington backfield. Kareem caught a touchdown for some reason, while Thompson had the most carries for some reason. I'd take Chris Thompson to the backfield options here, but only as a flex. Uh, Kirk's putting up good numbers, but spreading the ball around too much to maintain individual receivers' fantasy value. That's not going to change if they keep winning games, and I would still not drop prior regardless. He has late-season upside. He has wide receiver two upside just because of his talent. But we may may not see that come out this season, but if we do, we may see it late come playoff time. Uh, Davis and Reed keep getting into each other's hair, into each other's way. They both have an okay floor, but it really would be great if uh, one of them could be healthy enough to just play for now. Yeah, this uh, this Eagles defense and offense are both on fire right now. We saw Cousins really struggle at home uh, against Philadelphia in week one. I certainly don't like him on the road now against them. Um, he's just a QB2 for me this week. I would look to avoid him if you could. Um, and I would not start uh, P. Ryan or Rob Kelly if he plays with those ribs. Uh, I really think Chris Thompson is going to be the best running back of the three this week. Uh, it's going to be tough to run on that Philadelphia defensive line, as Jonathan Stewart and Christian McCaffrey found out last week. Um, really, you're looking for those screens and those short little passes to Thompson. I think he's still going to be a really good flex play this week in PPR. Um, Jameson Crowder still owned in 67% of Yahoo leagues, but definitely droppable. Um, I was never high on Crowder coming into the season, but he's splitting targets with Josh Doxson, Ryan Grant, Vernon Davis right now. None of these guys are reliable week to week. Good luck trying to figure out who's going to score that touchdown. Um, I will say prior uh, to your point, he's probably still their best red zone threat and one of their more targeted receivers. Um, but I'd easily have some wide receivers on the waiver wire right now over prior. Um, I would rather have Nelson Aguilar or John Brown at this point. Uh, you know, I, I don't think you should just drop him just to drop him, but I do think you can drop prior depending on what your options are in terms of who you're picking up here. Um, and then, of course, Jordan Reed had a down week last week as well, but he's still a, a decent mid-level tight end one with upside just because he's healthy and we've seen what he can do. 
for the bird, the, uh, the Eagles, if San Francisco can almost beat the Washington defense, imagine what a good NFL offense might do to him. Although these Monday night football divisional games are always tougher than expected. I think Wentz, Jeffrey, whichever running back starting, depending if Smallwood's healthy and Ertz are all very, very solid starts. Ertz tacked on another two touchdowns versus Carolina. Aguilar starting to emerge as the second wide receiver on the team in, t- uh, in terms of target share. I wouldn't trust it just yet. He's a hold for me, though. At this point, I, I'd probably start him all uh, over all the Washington options for now. Yeah, I mean, the, I mean, the Eagles are just amazing right now. Like they're so fun to watch. Um, I, I really like Carson Wentz this week. Uh, he's been dominant. He's he's a top five fantasy quarterback right now. Um, you know, we need to hear more about Wendell Smallwood's health. Uh, if he plays with that knee uh, sprain, if he's recovered, I think he's actually the better flex option in PPR despite Blunt's involvement. Um, Alshon Jeffrey finally heating up a little bit now that he's not facing top cornerbacks. Um, we'll see if Josh Norman plays. If he does, I downgrade Jeffrey to a flex, but if he doesn't, I like him as a wide receiver too. Um, Nelson Aguilar to a legit flex player, wide receiver three. We're seeing how much Wentz likes targeting both Aguilar and Ertz over the middle of the field. Um, and we'll talk about Aguilar more in the waiver wire section. And of course, you're starting Zach Ertz as a top three tight end right now every week at this point. So it's, it's a good offense, a great offense and a good defense. Give me the Eagles. Yeah, last week, uh, to quote Big Cat, I said Denver by a million and that did not work out well for them. <laughs> But uh, you know we're gonna we're gonna shoot for that again. Uh, give me the Eagles by a million. You just uh, you just put the ultimate uh, the ultimate uh, jinx on them. <laughs> Anyways, uh, bring us into our buy teams. Only two this week: Detroit and Houston. Um, Detroit, you're of course sitting Matthew Stafford, Amir Abdullah, Theoretic, Golden Tate, Marvin Jones, Kenny Galladay. Uh, regarding Detroit, Tate has been great, but he's hurt now. Hopefully he can be better by the time they play again. Abdul is still their main guy, but he's just putting up fringe running back three. If that type of days, like those are not points that you want out of your main running back starter. Uh, Marvin Jones should see a lot of targets. If Tate misses significant time, just keep an eye on that Houston. Well, Houston did about what we expected versus Cleveland. No changes to personnel expectations. They should be ready to roll in two weeks. Yeah, so if you uh, if you do have Matthew Stafford or Deshaun Watson, um, a couple potential streaming quarterback options for you to replace them this week. Uh, Tyrod Taylor against Tampa Bay, only thirty seven percent owned right now in Yahoo leagues. Um, Tampa Bay is giving up the fifth most fantasy points to quarterbacks, not playing well on defense. Um, Jameis Winston might not be a hundred percent with that AC sprain. Uh, definitely could lead to some turnovers and short fields for this Buffalo offense. Um, we already talked a little bit about C.J. Beathard against Dallas, only 1% owned right now. They're going to be playing from behind, and that Dallas secondary is still giving up lots of big plays, so definitely decent potential for a good amount of garbage time production here for Beathard. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, looking at more, a couple more streaming options as we love to stream our tight ends. Uh, Jack Doyle versus Jacksonville, 40% owned. Tough to throw outside versus Jacksonville, so Doyle could have increased target share. Also, Jacksonville's giving up the 10th tight ends on the, on the season. Uh, Austin Hooper, 50% owned, we talked about. Was more involved with Sanu out. Also, New England secondary gives up so many plays right now. Uh, ASJ would have had uh, two tight ends, or two touchdowns this past week were it not for that weird fumble call, which I still don't believe in. Yeah, speaking of, Jack Doyle just scored a touchdown, so uh, he's definitely being looked for in that red zone. Uh, definitely worth a shot this week against Jacksonville. 
If that's not a sign, I don't know what is. <laughs> Perfect timing. Um, it's as if his ears were burning. Yep. Um, a few defenses to consider this week. You've got Buffalo against Tampa Bay, only 24% owned. Uh, Buffalo has been a very underrated NFL defense and in fantasy. Remember, they beat Atlanta at Atlanta, um, although uh, we're seeing that may not be as difficult as it seems with Miami pulling off the same thing. Uh, but that said, again, Jameis Winston might still not be 100%. Buffalo definitely worth a shot. Um, and then the Eagles against Washington, 53% owned right now. Cousins been throwing quite a few interceptions lately, and Washington really got crushed by Philadelphia week one at home, and now they play on the road. Um, New Orleans at Green Bay, 3%. Uh, Detroit game was fluky, but the New Orleans defense has scored 13 points, 15 points, and 32 points in the last three games. Um, and they get Brett Hundley in his first ever start. Uh, certainly could have some turnovers there. And then finally, we've got Carolina at Chicago, 52% owned. Um, I don't usually like defenses on the road, but Carolina gets Mitch Trubisky this week, and I expect at least another turnover or two. What? He doesn't turn the ball over? Come on. <laughs> he, he didn't throw a pick, but he did have those fumbles. Oh, yeah. Poor kid. All right. As for the injuries, just to hit our injury recap, those quarterbacks... Aaron Rodgers had surgery on his broken collarbones, going to be out at least eight weeks, could possibly turn week, uh, week 14. When you have surgery on the collarbone, it does tend to speed up recovery. Um, first week of the fantasy playoffs, depending on your league size and format, if you want to drop them, if you're doing really well and have the room, I mean, I'm not going to yell at you for keeping Aaron Rodgers in your bench, that's for sure. Jameis Winston, AC sprain of his throwing shoulder. Sounds minor. He's questionable for week seven. I'm not starting him anyway this week, and I really want to see how he recovers. Not a guy, as we know, that I love anyways. Um, Trevor Simeon, shoulder sprain on his non-throwing left shoulder on that dive, uh, trying to make that tackle on that interception he threw. He returned to uh, the week six game, confirmed good to go for week seven as of now. Yeah, and a few running back injuries to note as well. We've got Leonard Fournette with an ankle sprain, although it does sound minor, and he's likely to play Week 7. Um, we've got Rob Kelly, too, with the rib injury, questionable for Week 7. Certainly monitor his practice status. And then we've got Wendell Smallwood. Uh, he's got that knee sprain. Uh, he's also questionable for Week 7 as well. Um, certainly keep an eye on if he's practicing this week. Wide receivers, we already talked about Emmanuel Sanders with the high ankle sprain out at least one week. Those can those can take quite a while to heal sometimes, so we hope the best for him. Demarius Thomas had an ankle injury but returned to the game. X-rays were negative, should be fine this next week. Tyreek Hill left the game with a possible concussion, should be okay for this week. He's a Thursday night starter, so need information sooner than later. Golden Tate with that shoulder sprain. Detroit is by this week. It sounds like it might be a multi-week absence, unfortunately. Um, look for Marvin Jones. Look for a wide receiver option. Um, hopefully you can find one. Steph Diggs, his groin, he was determined early out last week. He's week to week. Jeremy Macklin with the shoulder. Sounds relatively minor. Kept him out this week. Should be able to play this coming week, hopefully. And uh, tight end uh, had it pretty easy this week. Uh, no new injuries. Yeah, just, uh, you know, again, just mentioning Tyler Eifert and uh, Charles Clay both out right now. Yep. Um, so, all right. I know Carson Wentz is owned in 88% of Yahoo leagues, but he should be owned in 100% of leagues right now. He's a top five fantasy option at quarterback. Um, what about six team leagues? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
right? Um, really, Wentz should be uh, starting everywhere. Um, Andrew Luck, to 61% owned in Yahoo leagues. It sounds like he may be back as soon as week eight, so definitely worth seeing if he's out there in your league. And then finally, we've got Teddy Bridgewater, 1%. It sounds like he may uh, return as early as week 10. Um, I wouldn't add him in a, in a normal league, but in a, if you're in a two-quarterback or a super flex league, definitely uh, all starting quarterbacks are, are worth a shot there. Couple really good running back options here that are still unowned in places. Jarek McKinnon, only 82% owned. Just like uh, Carson Wentz should be owned, Jarek McKinnon should be owned. He won't be a workhorse, but he's clearly the best running back in Minnesota. Their strong defense is going to give them good game scripts for carries. But even when losing, McKinnon will get receptions. He should be near 100%. Um, Deion Lewis, only 10% owned for now. That's definitely going to change, though. New England running backs will be hard to predict, but they are playing close games, which means less Gillisley pounding the ball. Uh, Lewis can run between the tackles, showed that, had goal line carry and touchdown, and he's a decent run, uh, receiving running back when healthy. Wendell Smallwood, 34% owned right now. Kenyon Barner and Corey Clement could not get anything going versus Carolina. Smallwood will split the majority of the touches once back with LeGarrette Blood. <laughs> <clears throat> Pardon me. Uh, Orleans Darqua out in New York, clearly the starting running back right now for the Giants. We all thought this offense was going to be a train wreck without Beckham, but if they can be functional and keep running, Darqua can be a flex play. I just don't like him. Uh, Dante Foreman, 15% owned, no standalone value, but he looks like a way more explosive running back than Lamar Miller for right now. Way younger, too. I still think Foreman's a top 10 running back if Miller were to miss time. Top five running back handcuffed for me if you have room. Al Morris and Darren McFadden, 54%, 51%. Who knows what's going on with the Zeke suspension saga, but these guys have their upside or at least some trade value if Zeke does serve the six-game suspension. And then Adrian Peterson. 83% owned won't be as dominant every single week, but worth an ad. Definitely. Uh, if he can keep doing this, he'll be a running back one. Obviously he won't keep doing this. I think he settles in as a mid range wide uh, running back two for the rest of the season. Yeah. I mean, I think really he's going to be one of those guys that's going to be very game script dependent. Uh, you know, if they're leading or if it's a close game, they'll get a lot of touches. Uh, if not, Ellington's going to be in there uh, out of the backfield. Yes, sir. So at wide receiver, uh, we've got Nelson Aguilar, 54% owned right now in Yahoo Leagues. Uh, he's the number 18 wide receiver right now in PPR through six weeks. Carson Wentz likes finding Aguilar, uh, and he can keep plays alive long enough to find Aguilar deep, so definitely worth a shot. Uh, Marvin Jones, 55% owned, getting a ton of targets now that he's not facing tough cornerback matchups. He's got a bye this week, but then he gets four good matchups after the bye. Um, at home against Pittsburgh, at Green Bay, at home against Cleveland, and then at Chicago. Um, Golden Tate may miss time, too, and if so, then, I mean, Marvin Jones, we saw how many targets he got against New Orleans this week. So, John Brown, 43% owned, clear number two target on that team now behind Larry Fitzgerald. Now that his quad is fully healthy, we know his ceiling can be sky high, um, and now his floor is relatively high, too. He's a wide receiver three, barring injury. Finally, we've got Sterling Shepard at 52%. Uh, he's been out week six with an ankle injury. Um, but this Giants offense looks surprisingly functional. Um, if he plays in the next week or two, Shepard could see a ton of targets with Beckham and Marshall out. Um, definitely worth a PPR wide receiver three consideration. Um, I wouldn't add him right now just because they play Seattle, then they have a bye. But... If he's healthy coming out of that bye week, uh, definitely worth taking a look at Shepard if people are forgetting about him in the meantime. 
And then at tight end, we've got Austin Safarian Jenkins, 62% owned. Needs to be 100% owned at this point. Um, he's one of Josh McCown's favorite targets and the Jets' best red zone option. He should be a tight end one in PPR the rest of the season. Evan Ingram, 69% owned. Uh, led the team in targets against Denver and uh, in catches with uh, both Odell Beckham and Marshall on IR. Should be owned in most leagues given the lack of startable tight end options week to week. He should be a low-end tight end one or high-end tight end two in PPR. George Kittle, 8%. We talked about him last week and earlier in the show, but CJ Beathard starting at quarterback seems to be uh, good news for Kittle. Um, he was second on the team in targets, and as we said, he was tackled on that one-yard line, or else he would have had an even bigger game this past week. Finally, we've got Tyler Croft. Cincinnati was on bye this week, but he should be that number two target behind A.J. Green. Um, he could see more targets in that quick passing offense now that Bill Lazor has taken over as the offensive coordinator. Uh, pretty good schedule the rest of the season as well, worth mentioning. Also, Colin Kaepernick for now 0% owned in Yahoo League's uh... Go hit the button quick. Uh, is that sarcasm? Yeah. Yes, sir. Come on. <laughs> okay. I wasn't sure if I, I missed some news on Kaepernick and Josh Gordon or something. <laughs> no. All right. Uh, that's going to do it for this week. Um, hopefully you are not 0-6, uh, but uh, if you are, there is still a chance uh, that you can make the playoffs, uh, however low that may be. Um, and if, if you are, then, you know, this is not a time to give up, but it's a time to send out like a million trade offers, do everything you can to see if you can switch things up. Um, but you know, in general, uh, hopefully you're still monitoring the waiver wire, even if you are five and one, uh, or have a really good record. Uh, there's always, always something out there on the waiver wire to keep your eye on. Um, you know, things can change, uh, very quickly if an injury, something comes up. So you always want to have those guys ready on your bench. Um, and you know, as usual, if you have more specific questions for us, you can always find us on Twitter. I am at FFA underscore Mung. That's M E N G. I'm at FFA underscore Los L O S. And our super producer, Dan is at FFA underscore Dan. Uh, hopefully heal up a little more in the future. Sorry for the sniffles. Sorry for the coughs. Uh, I'll try and be a better person next week. We are, of course, available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud, whether you're listening to us on your computer or your mobile device. Don't forget to click subscribe. Yeah, and as always, it's a fantasy world, and we're just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. This episode is made possible by PwC. The future calls for digital transformation you can trust. That's why The New Equation is business-led and cloud-forward, using secure technologies to drive tax-efficient solutions for today and tomorrow. It's how people and technology work together to transform transformation. See how The New Equation is building trust and security with the latest tech at thenewequation.com. Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery.